This Off the Hazel podcast is now driven by Delari Nissan Regina. Nissan. He gave it away. Coulter scores. Welcome back to episode number 40 of Off the Hosel. My name is Drew Coaster. I am your host, and I'm joined by two two of the best uh, co-hosts I have in, uh, on the show. Uh, my brother, Troy Coaster. hey And also, back in the saddle, all of us, all three of us in the pit today, uh, the Reverend Daniel Hagel. Boys, how's it going? That's going good. Can't complain. Uh, as always, this is a Nissan-driven podcast. Uh, be sure to check them out, 1111 Broad Street. Take, they will take care of you. Great cars, great people, great service. Drive Nissan. What's going on, boys? Let's go to, I mean, we're all back in the pit here. Um, we got Troy here. We got Daniel here. We got Christian, the content creator in the background. Um, I, I just quickly, before we go to you guys, our social media handles are at Coaster Troy, at Coaster Drew, at DHags on Twitter. Instagram at York Co at Coaster Drew and at Daniel Hagel Five. Um, what's going on, boys? Let's go to you uh, first, Troy. Twitter Thanks. and Instagram at underscore off the hosel. Facebook off the hosel. Check us out. Send us messages. We love you. Nice. Well, well what's going on now? Roundtable chat here. Let's go to you first. What's going on? Rectangle table. Rectangle table. Okay. What's, eh, what's going on? Not too much. Uh, getting back into the work life. It's uh, been going really well. Weekend was kind of a blur. Um, no, not like I was in a pail of. You're working, nurse. weren't you? I've been working. Yeah, yeah it's been always a blur when you're working weekends. As you can tell by my bright orange suit. Yeah, yeah. I uh, came in right from the shop to get this one done tonight. Yeah, weekend was good. I can't complain. It was life's good. I I, I don't got much. Dan, you? It was a good weekend. Um, hey, you Riv. <laughs> this is the first time actually that I'm in Divots, and I gotta say this is this is awesome, eh? Um, really nice place, and thanks to Divots for having us. Yeah, speaking of Divots, uh, everybody, October 15th, Divots Indoor Golf is opening their doors. Make sure you get your tee times booked ASAP because it will fill up fast. We've got seven beautiful simulators. Uh, we've got leather recliners. we got a nice bar behind us. Full of booze and full of Molson Coors. This Mol- is the Molson Coors podcast. Absolutely. Yeah, no, really uh, glad Divots jumped on board to have us here. We love them. They love us. And, uh, again, let's keep it that way. Give them a call at 306-206-1270 or just come visit them at 6823 Rochdale Boulevard. And, uh, again, they open up October 15th. So, uh, yeah, Divots Indoor Golf. Drew, how was your weekend? I uh, didn't do a whole lot. Um, you know, no no golf. And actually, I played nine holes on Sunday. One of the best days of for October. It was unbelievable. We got um, some nice days ahead. Yeah, I, I mean, it's the weather looks great. Uh, we have been playing a little bit golf inside here a little bit, and we're working on the swing for uh, next season, as I am. I didn't mention last time, but I am 25 now, and that is the age you have to be to play in the um, – be allowed to play in the mid-am. Oh, boys and girls listening right now, i calling right now. I will win the, 20, uh, the 2021 mid-amateur championship. Um, if you have problems with that, call in and we'll talk about it. But I'm 25 now. I've waited 25 years for this. So <laughs> let's go, baby. Do I get to go for the senior tour this year because I'm turning 40 in December? No, you're actually not even. Because it used to be 21. No, 
Yeah, it was 21 to play in... No, it was 45 to play in the mid and 55 to play in the seniors. So now the mid is now 25 and the seniors is now 45. Oh. So you're five years away, but you can loop for me, though. Well, I am. I can loop for you? Yeah. How about caddy? Well, last time I said you're on my bag, you were like, no. You're like, I don't get your bag. We're, we get, we're brothers. When, when, I'll when, do it. When, <laughs> when we get to today's interview. Oh. No, but I, I, the one question I said, when you, when you, before 07, you were on blank's bag. I'm like, oh, geez, shouldn't ask that question. It didn't sound too right. But if you well, I mean, to, from what his story was, he said Bubba did follow him into the washroom to watch him pee. Or looked at him, or talked to him before he peed. One of the two. Probably get fired nowadays for that. That's but. when he beat him. <laughs> That's when he beat him. The, the only time he ever beat Bubba. Oh, yeah. After he shot 66 and Bubba shot 69. 69. How are you? And, uh, yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, let's talk about uh, some golf. I mean, there's no... That kind of went off the rails there, didn't it? 25, winning the 2021 Mid-Am Championship. I'm rooting for you. I am, too. Because, I mean, I did a full <laughs> five months of... <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know if you root for yourself. I got five months... Uh, winter golf, six months, maybe seven months inside. I'm working on the game. I'm going to hire a personal trainer and get in shape. And you're going to train me this winter, tra- right? Well, hey, 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 we're going to worry about me getting the, 20, <laughs> the 25, the 2021 mid-am champion. And then we'll work on No, I'm just kidding. We're going to work on both of you guys. Dan, I hope. I'm not going to try and hit 100 next summer. So Dan, you and I are on our own on here. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I'll help you guys out. It's just, I, I mean, sometimes uh, the patience slacks a little bit. With, uh, uh, I mean, you it's know getting what? better with you. But Daniel, I spent five minutes with him in the sim already, and he's already upset. I I'm, just, not, I'm I, not upset. I just thought of something because I know that we're probably going to be introducing a new uh, feature on the pod plot, and show is maybe get Sammy Willis or Greeno here, and they could give us uh, a, a lesson or two. Yeah, that is true. So, I mean, if you do need lessons this winter, um, I mean, I'm not even probably allowed to give them out, but what's going on, guys? Hit me up with text. We'll figure it out. But uh, Kevin Dietz, Sam Wills, Greeno, uh, they all teach out of here too, so... Why not? Um, and, I mean, Deer Valley, good friends of the show. Good friends of the show. Um, I want to talk, I mean, NHL is over quickly. Done, done, dusted. Tampa Bay wins the cup. A couple of Saskatchewan boys win. Uh, Luke Shen, I don't think, played in game seven. And then Braden Coburn, obviously, from outside. Seanovan. Seanovan, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, congrats to those two guys, and maybe we'll get them on the show at some point. But and now we get we'll to watch Tampa go, uh-oh, who, who, who can't we keep? True. Oh, they're so screwed. Do you not trade Stamkos, though? He's gone. You can win a Stanley Cup without him? He's gone. He's gone. Guarantee one. Killhorn said two and a half minutes with Stamkos playing that game. Helps a lot. 100 bucks says he's gone. I'll put you 200 bucks on it. He he gets traded for a first rounder and a stud forward. Well, it doesn't matter. He's getting traded. Okay. Guaranteed. Tyler Johnson actually today was they they said he's getting traded too. Yeah, I heard about they, they're, Johnson. Their their cap money is so 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 in trouble. Yeah, that's true. Okay. But anyways, NHL draft tonight again because we record on first? Tuesday. Obviously. Yeah, he went first. Yeah. And your Oilers and and I know you're you're ah, bullshit. I got to watch Dylan Holloway play up in Bonneville five games that are over Team Canada West. This guy was uneligible because of his birth date. But now he goes to Edmonton as a forward. And I get it before he chime in here. Uh, Dylan Holloway is a world-class player. And that's good, and I'm glad, and, and that's great. But I'll tell you what the Oilers don't need. They don't need another forward. No. And there's rumors going around that Taylor Hall is expected to sign with Edmonton. That's ridiculous. Which, so would, A, wow. where are we getting the money from? Sorry, where are the Oilers getting the money from? They're up against the cap. Then they go and draft this kid 14th overall, who you've told me is very good, power winger, hell of a shot. The three of us sitting here right now, 
You're a Leafs fan. You're in no. the same boat as me. No, you're no. a Red Wings fan. You guys are in a rebuild. What do the Oilers need? D-man. And? What know. do the Leafs need? D-man. Wow. wow. What do the Leafs need? We need D. And? Uh, you need don't, a fucking goalie. I don't, Sorry. See, I, I, I disagree with that, though. You do? I disagree with that completely. We need better defense. When you don't score, when you lose 2 nothing in these games and they don't even score a goal, I mean, there's nothing bad about losing two, 1 it. or 2 nothing. I love it. But It's the 8-5 games and the 9-6 games that really drive yeah, me nuts. And I'm hoping, sorry, bold prediction, in the next two weeks, free agency is what, next week? Again, sorry, everyone, we're a golf podcast, but we also cover all sports. I'm hoping that Kenny Holland makes the phone call to the agent and says, Braden Holtby, come play with us. Is he, he's a uh, UFA now? He's a UFA. Well, there was rumors well, today floating around that, that Marc-Andre Fleury was going to get traded to the Oilers. I think he's out of, the, he's out of Vegas. Well, he's gone. They yeah, have he, to be gone. Yeah. Leonard signed that way huge, way too big contract yeah. for him. Yeah. And Fleury, yeah, good goalie. But for the Oilers, no. They should try and sign Hishkin. He's a UFA. Yeah, he is too. So is Kudobin. Like, there's the, the goalies are out Kudobin. there. Kudobin. Anton Kudobin. Kudobin. Moving on. Okay, uh, <laughs> there is, you know, no local golf really. Everyone's wrapped up their uh, club championships, but we want to give a little shout-out to a friend of the show, Brian Mudrick from TSN. Not a sports analyst, but covers the Canadians and multiple other things for them. But Are you referring to a previous podcast? Previous podcast. Oh, okay. um, but, yeah, congrats to Brian, as I believe he won the club championship. Again, our stats today have been, well, more so myself, have been a little off the rails. Um, as far as PGA last week, I believe the Spaniard finally won, Sergio Garcia. Okay, I got to cut you off there. Okay, you on. said this four times, I think, in the last six weeks. Quit saying Spaniard. It's Spaniard. Spaniard, Spaniard. S- Gold jacket, green jacket, who gives a shit? <laughs> Spaniard. <laughs> okay. Continue. Kudobin, Kudobin. <laughs> Apples, bananas. <laughs> like, it's very similar. All right. Anyways, where are we playing this, uh, this week? You didn't here? even say his name. You just Sergio said Sp- Garcia said he won. Garcia won. Fact check. And yeah, what, won. what I was oh, going to okay. say, though, I didn't watch one lick of golf because I couldn't find it on TV. It wasn't on TV. It okay. wasn't. It wasn't on TV. Let's figure that out, PGA. Well, they had uh, NFL on five channels. True. The same game, probably. Fuck. Uh, two, two games on five channels, yeah. And they had Formula One racing or something. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not a I hate, when, I hate when they do that. The same game. It doesn't make any sense. What uh, were we playing this week there, Rev? We are playing in Vegas and at the Shriners Hospital for child oh there's a lot of words here <laughs> the tri- the children open in vegas that was three words four words no the shriners He's i'm gonna say this again shriners that's what it is hey okay hospitals for children open there we go all right i like it vegas and the previous winner i believe was kevin naw yeah mr kevin Naw. is that kevin naw with two ends just one two ends okay two letters. Got one Shut two up. letters yes two kevin letters. Nah. got that one and though. any Nah, not, not applicable. applicable. <laughs> okay, quickly here before we... Who's uh, your winner this week? I'm picking oh, one right God. now. Okay, well... Um, actually, Dad told us to not pick Corey Connors. Why? I don't know. He just said that. That's my boy, though. I'm the one always gambling on him. <laughs> I have been talking to his agent, so we hopefully get him on the show. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say the golden boy, Jordan Spieth. You both know who I'm taking, right? Abe. Duh. Okay. Abe. Answer. Oh, yeah, it's, was, in, it's in Dale's hometown. It is, too. Vegas. I was thinking about taking speed, too, but I don't know how. Spit it out. Is Tiger playing? 
I don't know. Let's no, he's check. not playing. Hmm. It's another name. Let's go with Bubba. Bubba. Bubba's in it, right? Oh, I like uh, that. Okay. He's not playing, boys. He's not? Oh, no, they're if off you, this if week. If you listen to the... Uh, right, they're off this yeah, week. He's not playing. Right. So just go with Connors. Let's go with Connors. <laughs> we got to <laughs> wrap this up here, eh? Okay, uh, quickly here. There's a few questions that I got on the um, Instagram poll for more so you guys. Uh-oh. Uh, Troy, first off, what kind of clubs do you use? Well, that's a funny story. I'm hoping for a new set of golf clubs from Callaway or Ping or Titleist or TaylorMade. But uh, right now I've got a iron set that is 13 years old, TaylorMade R7. They got the yellow on the back. You used to have the set. I think they're R7s. Draw? Yeah. No, I have the draw. My da- dad has the draws. Okay, R7s. And then the driver I got from our cousin, uh, Dale's brother, Ryan, is a was last year model Titleist. That's what I have. The one below you. No, No, nine, one below you. Fifteen. Okay. And I have a three-wood tailor-made that I think I got from Grandpa. And a putter that I hate. And then my, yeah, you. You gave me some wedges this year. Those are probably the newest clubs I have. And they're stamped, too. Who asked that and why? Uh, His name is, Instagram handle, Stanny underscore 12. Stanny. And I... Don't know his full name because it's just a Stanny underscore well, 12. Well, Stanny underscore 12, if you're looking to uh, purchase a nice set of used clubs, <laughs> DM me. Cheap like borscht. Moving on. Mick Pink. Oh, sorry. Rev, your uh, clubs. The Cobras. Cobras. Looking like Ricky Fowler out there. Ricky! All right. Mick Panko uh, asked both of you guys, could you two beat Drew if you played a two-man scramble against his one ball? So if I got to dumb this down. You both tee off. We play from best ball. You're playing best, best ball. ball, and you're playing yours all the time? No. Ah, f- maybe. Depends. Uh, hey, we, I, Danny, I'm going to win the 2021 mid am Give me a winter at Divot, so then uh, we'll, we'll see. Hey, Dan, give yourself some credit. We, we go to Deer Valley there a few weeks ago, and yeah. Drew was just chopping you down. Oh, yeah, this guy's dog shit. He doesn't know how to go. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was with Christian all the time. Right, right, right. Typical. And typical you, you were out there, and I went to Drew. I said, what the hell are you talking about? After three holes, I think he was one over. I was like, wow, Dan yeah, can actually go. The first three holes, and then it was, yeah, the, back, you it was went, the back nine that just You were the asshole wearing a bright pink toque. It was cold out. Supporting breast cancer, dude. Nice. So bring that out of that now. Speaking of breast cancer, <laughs> like we if it's anybody, not what I meant. No, I know, but if anybody wants uh, one, if anybody wants one of our <laughs> crew neck sweaters, uh, we got them coming again. Uh, forty bucks a sweater, five dollars is going to the Cancer Foundation of Saskatchewan. Uh, beautiful sweaters. We got them black gray, any size you want. DM us. You guys all have our social media outlets. Text us, call us. We'll get you those sweaters. We'll put another order in right away. And sounds of it, we might be having a new style of hat coming in. But that's for details to follow. Any more questions from the... Uh, Last one here. Oh, Lord. Uh, from our cousin, I think. Uh, yeah, he's a you cousin. You think? Tyler Zenzluck. <laughs> well, that is my wife's cousin. So he's a cousin-in-law to cousin me. Cousin-in-law yeah. to us, Kate. Or are you? I'm scared about I this question. I think this is more so directed to me, but we'll ask all you guys. Have you ever nervously shit your pants before a big event? Okay, <laughs> now... I'll answer mine quick while you guys do your thing. Oh, I um, can just go right now. Okay, go. That question was geared towards me, 110%. Okay. Oh, boy. Your wedding day? <laughs> Is it? What are you talking about? What's well, a big event? I don't know. Shoot your pants. I, don't, you know I wasn't going to answer the question. Oh, okay. But I know that question is geared towards me, 125%. And Tyler, if you're listening. <sighs> Tell the story. No. I oh, can't. Come on. I can't tell the story, but Tyler knows the story. That's not fun for anyone. He's the reason why he asked the question for the podcast. 
I got married. And? <laughs> I got a little nervous before our wedding day. So I was right. Why would you just nod your head? I was right. <laughs> I was there. I was in the wedding. Oh, so yeah, you, just, you were there. I forgot about what, that. Yeah, I don't know the Long story. So you gotta, I want to hear the whole story. God, I forgot that he was there. Yeah, we have yeah. time. That's cool. You're a groomsman. Yeah, I was. Let's hear the story. Long story short. Hey, I'm your brother. Nice to meet you, Drew. Long story. Long story short, I was very nervous before my wedding, and we were at my now in-laws, and uh, I had to pass gas. It wasn't gas. Oh, and running? And oh. No, it was a, what do you call it, a shirt? Oh, in your suit? <laughs> well, not, the dame on not, suits. Not in my suit, my tux, but oh. we had to. Uh, I had. That's what that smell was on stage. <laughs> Shit, I, I, I can't believe we're gonna edit this. I, oh I, no, no, this is perfect. I had to. What I guess a half hour before the limo took us to the church, had to borrow my father-in-law's boxers. Oh, that's hilarious. Off him? I did not know that. Not off <laughs> him, Jesus <laughs> man. <laughs> so, anyways, Tyler Zenzelak. You owe me a beer at Christmas for telling that story because I haven't told many people that. So now all our listeners get to know. Rev? Have, have I before event? Okay, you say yours and then I'll explain my, my answer. Well, I've had a few and I've talked with Fifi about a few? Few? <laughs> Holy Not shit my pants. No, sorry. A few times. Moments. Okay, so. <laughs> Where is this podcast so going? Travis, Fifi, we talked about one time. About in, uh, I don't know if you were there. Anyways, he's like, do you ever have to like shit your pants or like shit before a big event and i'm like yeah i get a little nervous but if i'm playing normal golf i don't have to shit but we're playing in was it warman god i don't know what warman nippon i don't know someone has an outhouse and i was playing and i had to like legit like it was two holes in i'm like oh god i did the shakes and the the shakes are coming oh god i used the washroom real bad hit my shot so fast one two on the green and i was like right into the dumpster like the what did what did um or guess they Ted say, the portalit. Portalit. The portalit. Yeah. portalit. <laughs> and I just, oh, <laughs> like dumb and dumber. Like it's, I was like, what was in that coffee I had? But yeah, that was my one time. Did not shit my pants. But Chris Carley, friend of the show, uh, told oh. that on episode seven or something like that he said that, uh, yeah, there he's, he was one less sock coming down the stretch of Tor Hill. <laughs> oh my god. Rip. I haven't shit my no. I haven't done it. But I sometimes you know you, you get the kind of. <laughs> Sometimes, though, you know, the, the stomach whoa, gets whoa, going. Whoa, whoa, Dan. Hey, listen. Dan, listen. I, I just heard what Drew said. I'm sitting right next to him, and you just totally. Nope, next question. Well, he has. No. It's a thing No, I said I, I shit my pants. I'm never <laughs> no, pissed. Pissed my pants? Okay, we're not talking about that. We're talking about. <laughs> this is going too far. Okay, let's move this on. This is going too far. Let's move on here. Let's okay, this is a lot of fun today. Uh, Thanks, Tyler Zenzelak. Yeah, for Look what you started, that Tyler. Was yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, our guest today is, you know, and we actually had the privilege of getting Ted Scott on. You know, it was an un- unreal interview. Let's talk Ted. Yeah, it was a Ted talk. It was Ted 1, Ted 2 movies, whatever it was. It was awesome. He talks about, you know, caddying for Bubba, caddying for Paul Eisinger. Um, You know, he, he, even at the end of the pod, if, you got to listen to the whole thing. Because at the end, he did some great life advice. He's a great guy. Great guy. He looks like he's 25, but he's fit. He's healthy. His mom is a, a, a nutritionist. nutritionist, and that's why he looks like the way he does and the way that we all look. Um, so <laughs> I, I, I got to say, before you, uh, we wrap this up, Drew, Dan, we've done 40 episodes now. 40. That's benchmark for me. 40. You're, you're tiring. No. no. <laughs> I'm saying that. I quit. It, that's pretty damn good. 40 yeah, that's episodes. Pretty sweet. Oh, I never thought that. But Ted Scott, uh, and I told you off the air, I told Daniel, this, 
top three personally of the 40 guests we've done. Like this, this is a must listen. Great storytelling, funny guy, you know, from Lafayette, Louisiana. Enjoy. It was, it's one of my top three for sure. There wasn't a bad part of the podcast. No, no. It was and, it, and it was so easy to do and talk to and smooth and transition. So and for and for him to take you know an hour out of his time and we got an hour and four minutes out of him. You know, I, I think he could have went on longer. Uh, we'll, we'll get Ted back on. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think we'll ever get Bubba on. Just the fact that you know he did mention that Bubba blocks uh, Ted's number uh, during the time that they're not playing. So uh, you know they have a great relationship. Everyone th- you know everyone carves Bubba. I look at Bubba differently now than I did when I was a fan watching. Um, you know, one question we didn't ask was, is Bubba's real name Bubba? I Google that. And Google hasn't <laughs> yeah, been very has, kind to I you. I know, but they say Bubba is usually uh, a nickname for a, a, a son or baby, and then they just cheated. They went with it. Like, I've never found another name for Bubba. Okay. I was just so. curious. It doesn't say on the Wikipedia. All right, that's enough of this Wikipedia stuff. Let's okay. uh, move You'd this be on. wrong anyways. Yeah, Mr. Pissy Pants. Oh. I pissed my pants, so what? <laughs> Kale, if... <laughs> hey, did you throw Christian's name? If Reverend peed his pants, then consider me Miles Davis. <laughs> 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 okay, uh, and as always, our content creator. Check out Nissan Regina's pager now. Blowing up with videos. Unbelievable work. And, and divots. And divots. Ton of work. Christian's behind the scenes. He doesn't want to come on camera, though. That's his own fault because I think he's a face for TV. Um, yeah, you know what? Maybe we'll do an interview one day with Christian, 10 minutes uh, about his life. And, um, yeah. He's up for it. Other than that, I think it's time we send it over now to Ted Scott. Let's hope, do it. Hope you guys enjoy it. Enjoy it. Bye. Are you tired of the same old Spice Rum and Coke or any other basic mixed drink? Well, we want to change that. Here at Off the Hazel Crew, we are proud supporters of Last Mountain Distillery. They got so many good choices that will change your world. Just some off the top of our head. Last Melon Distiller Whiskey, Rum, Dill Petrol Vodka, Rupier Schnapps, and now new, Apple Pie Moonshine. If you haven't already checked out Last Melon Distillery, for all your mixed bevy needs, Last Melon Distillery, no questions asked. Alrighty, we are pleased to be joined. While one of the most famous guys on the tour, he's a longtime caddy from, correct me if I'm wrong, Lafayette, Louisiana. Lafayette. He, Lafayette. He's been looping for well-known Bubba Watson since 2006. We are very happy to be joined by Ted Scott. Thanks for joining the podcast today, Ted. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. How about that intro, though? It was money. <laughs> so, what's going on, Ted? What, where are you these days? And, yeah, what's going on? Well, um, we played 11 out of 15 weeks um, after the COVID pause happened. So, you know, Bo wanted to get his tournaments in for the year. So we pretty much uh, are only going to play a few tournaments, you know, for the rest of the season. So I'm uh, at home doing daddy and husband duties, which I love. It's a phenomenal thing right now. As we speak, I'm watching my son practice. So it's, uh, it's a lot of fun, man. I love it. So, I mean, we, we talked off uh, off the air, you know, we have you for a certain amount of time, but as you are a busy guy, let's quickly talk about your youth as a young Ted Scott. Uh, what sorts of things were you up to as, as a youngster? Yeah, so, um, you know, my, my dad introduced me to golf. Uh, whenever we would visit my grandfather on holidays, Christmas, Thanksgiving, Easter, we would go to, uh, to where they lived and... Uh, when I was about seven, I started playing golf with them, and, you know, like most kids, I just loved to be outside, riding my bike, playing basketball, jumping on the trampoline, you know, anything. Um, so I didn't play a lot of golf 
other than just um, on holidays. And then probably when I was about 10 or 11, I started playing in the summertime um, whenever I'd go visit my dad. And then uh, when I got into high school, I started to play year-round. And that was whenever I realized I was slow and uh, wasn't very good at shooting. So I said, basketball is probably not my thing. And got tackled a couple times. And a skinny guy getting tackled by a big guy was like, well, football is probably not my thing. So I decided to stick with golf. And uh, that's kind of where my youth was. Yeah, it's worked out pretty well so far, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> so Yeah, it's pretty – I've been blessed for sure. It's, uh, you know, I don't even know how I got where I did other than just uh, – just being blessed to be here you know it's really just kind of a crazy story so i mean ted i'm sure you know our cousin dale valali who who caddies for abe answer um we, we've Absolutely. talked to, we've talked to dale we've talked to paul tesori who caddies for uh, webb simpson uh, i want to ask you the same question and, peps. And, and, peps. and peppers you know for cory connor's caddy uh, yeah um Absolutely. i i wanted i wanted to ask you one question is how, how did you get into the caddying um and let's like this is from Peppers. He says, let's talk about your first event. Oh, yeah. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so basically in 1999, I had a lot of friends that were asking me to help them with their golf game. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do for a living. So I was like, you know what, maybe I'll turn pro and teach. And um, I was playing really well at the time. And, I, and a gentleman I had met decided to give me money to go try the mini tours out. So I played in six tournaments in 99, and um, I said, look, if we're going to do this, I really need to practice more, get my game in shape. Let's take some time out, and uh, we can start over in 2000. So I was waiting tables, practicing every day, waiting tables at night, and the web.com tournament comes through my hometown every year. So I decided, you know, basically when I was a young man, uh, someone really intelligent told me, if you want to get better at something, find people who are better than you and get around those people and, you know, ask questions, spend time with them, and, and that's a big help. So I said, okay. So I basically went out to Caddy for the week um, just to try to learn. I said, if I'm going to try to play, you know, I, I played one semester of college golf. Uh, I didn't really have a lot of tournament experience, so I thought it's a great opportunity to, to grow as a player. So I went out there to Caddy, um, and basically they told me to go out on Tuesday afternoon and find the Caddy Master and that he would set me up with someone. Um, I grew up at a public course. We didn't have caddies. I didn't know what a caddy master was. So I went out, asked around, couldn't find this mysterious caddy master person. Uh, finally, a friend of mine drove by in a golf cart, and he was a local club pro. So I stopped and asked him, I said, hey, do you know where the where the caddy master is? And he said, why, you, you want a caddy this week? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, here, meet Grant Waite. So he had Grant Waite in the cart with him. Nice. And uh, he told Grant, he said, listen, Ted's a scratch golfer, you know, plays around here. He knows his course really well. He'd be great for you. So Grant said, perfect. I'll pay you 500 bucks for the week. I'll give you 5 seven, ten. He had to explain that to me. <laughs> I was like, perfect. So then he said, okay, let me go inside and change my shoes, and we'll go play nine holes. Well, I had a fever of about 102 when I went out there that day. This is pre-COVID, obviously, so, uh, <laughs> so they allowed me to stay out there, but. Um, but so he, he said, I told him, I said, look, I can't work until Thursday, which was kind of comedy because you just hired me. And I told him, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to show up again until Thursday. Right. I mean, yeah. what pro would have kept me? So he goes, man, can you at least come watch me putt on Wednesday? I said, okay, I'll come watch you putt. So I went out there Wednesday. I watched him putt for about an hour and I left. And then I showed up Thursday and the guy was like a machine. I've never seen any human being in my life hit a ball that far and straight on every swing. It was incredible on the warm up. 
I was like, God, this guy is amazing. So I never heard of him. So anyway, uh, meanwhile, on Tuesday when I left, he had found someone just to help him for nine holes. So he had seen the front nine, but he had never played the back nine. So they're about to announce us on the 10th tee to start the tournament. And he asked me, he said, hey, what's it to carry that bunker right there? And I told him it was a two iron. And he said, well, it might be a two iron for you, but I don't know how far you hit a two iron. <laughs> I thought, hey, that's that's pretty good. I'm learning already. Yeah. That's, good. that's good thinking. So I was just standing there just you know, pondering what he just said. And he goes, Ted. I said, yeah, man, what's up? He goes, how far is it? I said, oh, my bad. I looked out there, <laughs> gazed into the distance. I said, eh, it's about 200 to cover that bunker. To which he replied, about 200. I said, yeah. He goes, okay, Ted. How far does it say it is to cover that bunker in your yardage book? And I said, I don't have a yardage book. His eyes got as big as anything. And he said, you don't have a yardage book. I said, what do I need a yardage book for? You're the pro. And he goes, you got to go get a yardage book. So I said, where do I even get a yardage book? It's my home course. I don't even know where you can get a yardage book. So he goes, you got to go to the pro shop. So I sprinted to the pro shop, which is about 150 yards. Ran inside, I knew the pro, he threw one at me, I ran back, scrambled through it, I knew how to read one, I just never carried one for someone else, right? You know, when I played mini tours, I had the book, right? Yeah. So uh, so I opened it up, looked in it, I said, it's 203 to cover that bunker, and he pulled out a two iron. <laughs> I was like, what the heck, dude? Well, I just told you, about 200. So he, he proceeds to birdie the first hole, he birdies the, uh, birdies the first hole, birdies the third hole. And we get to the fourth hole, we're 200 through three, and he asked me, what's this hole? I said, this is the highest scoring par four on the entire web.com tour every year. It's the hardest hole you're going to play all year. You got to watch out for the water, and there's, of course, these trees over here left the treacherous. And wait till you see this green. And man, I've seen more people three putt. I mean, I was just giving him the business. <laughs> and he's like, Ted, Ted. I said, what, man? You want to know what this hole is? I'm telling you about it. He goes, listen, man, no hole's hard if you execute. Every hole's hard if you don't. I was like, I'm going to write that down. That's good right there. I like that. <laughs> so, um, so, I, so he says, what do you want me to do? I said, hit it at that mound. So he took a three-wood out, landed on that mound, and he made birdie. So then we go to the next hole, the part five, where 300 through four. He hit driver five iron on the green to about 15 feet, made it for eagle. And on the way to the sixth tee, I, I said, hey, i got to go use the portalette. And I, I walked in the portalette. I called my wife-to-be, and I said, Sweetheart, what's ten percent of ninety thousand? <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, I was putting the cart before the horse, but uh, I, re- I didn't really call her. But that's kind of how my brain was thinking at the time. I was like, "Geez, this guy's unbelievable." So anyway, he was real great to me. He actually helped me with my golf swing that week, and I told him I was trying to play, and he was fantastic. Just an awesome dude. So Sunday, he wanted me to be there an hour early, and I had never been on time a day in my life. So I showed up. Sunday, an hour and 10 minutes early to thank him, to be, you know, kind and be there on time. And when I walked in, there was one of my friends who's always, you know, telling me that I'm always late. He said, you're late. I said, I'm not late today, man. He's like, no, you're late. I said, no, man, I'm 10 minutes early. He only wanted me here an hour early. I'm here an hour and 10 minutes early. To which he replied, and this is kind of funny about our podcast, last night was daylight savings time. I said, I'm late. I was there 10 minutes before his tea time. And uh, he actually let me caddy that day and then asked me to caddy the next tournament and then took me on the tour. And three months later, Tiger Woods hit a six iron out the bunker over water at the Canadian Open to beat Grant Waite by one. And I was standing 20 yards away from him when he hit that shot. So it's, it's a miracle story, to say the least. 
<laughs> That's a unbelievable story and your first time on the tour. And I have to ask, how often do you get ribbed now for being late? Well, you know what? I, once I started caddying, I just I wasn't late. You know, it's something I, I love to do. And I don't know why. I just I just how, who I was as a kid. You know, I, I would even I could even pull into the parking lot on time. And then wait till it got close or even a little past before I would go inside. So I don't know why I was like that. I guess I just never thought it was important. But, you know, obviously when I started caddying, you know, I realized, hey, man, this guy's got a warm-up routine and all these things, so I need to be there. You know, it's very important. Yeah. Well, so I've never had that issue uh, since. Actually, Grant Wade, kind of funny, uh, he overslept. He was, we were getting ready to play the Canadian Open one year, and, and his alarm or something didn't go off, which he was never late either. And uh, he didn't even show up. We were about 15 minutes before we teed off, and I hadn't even seen him yet. And I called him. He said, man, I'm in my hotel. I overslept. And we had to withdraw, so that was kind of, <laughs> kind of funny. But, uh, yeah, I've never been late, so I've been fortunate. Well, I'm glad that, uh, Ted, you've learned what daylight savings time is. Uh, I'm going to try and teach the little brother here what it is, so uh, maybe we can <laughs> all get on the same page at the same time, right, for the future. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's uh, totally my bad. But anyways... <laughs> Uh, Ted, speaking of, I mean, yardage books and, and all that, cause I mean, uh, our cousin Dale, one time I was in a tournament in Red Cliff, Alberta, and he wrote me a yardage book and, you know, like shoot a hundred yards to there, hundred yards of this, blah, blah, blah. And it looked like, I was like, Whoa, this is way cooler than the ones I can do. I can only imagine what you like, what you do for like Paul Isinger or Bubba Watson. I mean, now what are, what are some of the things that you see in, in a yardage book for those guys? And I mean, what's, you know, unique and, and funky, quirky in their yardage books? Yeah. So when I first started caddying in 2000, um, the guy that did the yardage books did it all by hand. So he would, you know, I don't know what kind of survey and equipment he had, but it was all hand drawn, you know, nothing was really to scale. Uh, it was kind of like, you know, how, how anybody would draw stuff, you know, he, he did the best he could, but nothing like an artist. Um, and then there was a lot of information that you would have to go out for your specific player and seek out, you know, uh, maybe your player hits it far, maybe he's a short hitter, or maybe he's a fader, or maybe he asked questions that, you know, other players wouldn't ask. So you really needed to walk the course a lot, you know, back then and spend a lot of time really getting to know it and even checking some of the yards is possibly because he might've been using a laser and, you know, it's like 300 yards to that tree, but he's really hitting the house behind that tree or something, you know? <laughs> So, uh, so it was a lot different back then, but um, Fred Funk's old caddy, Mark Long, who does all the books now and has been doing them for years, he's perfected it. He's got very expensive equipment. It's all drawn to scale. Um, I used to room with him, you know, when Fred was on the tour. We would stay together a lot, and I'd watch him do it. And it's a, I mean, it's a beast of a time to build one of those. I mean, there's so many hours that he puts into it. It's crazy, you know. But it, it's gotten to be um, where you can be – kind of lazy and and have everything you need i mean it's it's just incredible the information that's in there now i mean you know he even has pictures on some holes where you know if you're if you aim at that tree it's 300 yards to run out and if it's you know aiming at that light pole it's this far to carry yeah i mean it's gotten to be where it's like you know sometimes i'll just literally the book's so good i won't even say anything i'll just probably say what's it to carry and i'll just open the book and let him look at it you know because it just <laughs> really he's a visual guy and he just paints a picture for how he wants to get his ball down, down, you know, down there. So, um, but you know, when you're when you're a caddy, you just have to keep your player in mind, and then keep the conditions in mind. So, you know, if you're at the Open Championship, you know, it could be freezing cold, warm, twenty mile an hour winds, no wind. You know, so it's one of those things where when you're looking at the book, 
you kind of have to think of the conditions that are to be and if it's real firm or soft and, and, and how to, you know, use that map to get your guy yeah. around when he asks the right questions, you know. So that's really all you're doing is you're just trying to prepare for and think, like, how's my player going to think and how, what kind of questions is he going to ask? And Bubba's not a real big numbers guy. You know, he's a field player. So, you know, he just kind of wants to form a picture in his head. So I don't really give him a lot of information. But, you you know, one of my good friends caddies for Bernhard Langer, and, I mean, he wants to know if the if the yardage is from the front or the back of the sprinkler head, you know. Wow. So he's pretty detailed. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I mean, it's kind of cool, though. You have to always have an answer for, I mean, your player, right? I mean, if he goes, hey, how far does it carry that, uh, you know, that bunker or whatever it is. I mean, if you, if you don't have an answer, like you said on your first time on the tour, you're like, uh, I don't know, I hit two iron every day. <laughs> you know, it's, it's good, it's good yeah. to have information for sure. Yeah, you better have an answer. I mean, you know, obviously that's your job is to know that stuff. So, you know, um, there's times where obviously you can end up in a place, you know, two fairways over. Like when I played the mini tours, I led in other fairways hit. So my caddy would struggle <laughs> getting numbers. <laughs> Um, you know, but, you know, there's times where you might end up in a crazy situation and, uh, you know, some guys are actually super prepared for that, but I would rather just, if we get way out of line or something, I'll just walk it off and be like, look, I don't have a number from here. And, you know, the rules officials understand when it's, you know, when you somehow hit a tree or something and end up in a crazy spot. But, you know, for the most part, like I said, I mean, it's, there's so much information in the books now. They're so precise that, you know, it's, it's almost like, you know, they could get push cards and get rid of us. Don't say that out loud, but I mean, <laughs> they're that good, you know. They really are. So, so Ted, up until 2007, you know, before you hopped on the bag with uh, Bubba, you started with Paul Azinger. How how was that part of your caddy career, uh, and, and, and what was Paul like? Uh, tell us some stories, and, 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 yeah, just let our listeners know. Yeah, so so basically um, when I when I – quit working for Grant Waite, it was Paul Azinger that, that kind of asked me to quit working for Grant Waite, not to work for him. Um, he wanted to learn how to play foosball, which is table soccer. And in 1994, I was fortunate enough to partner with a guy named Terry Rue, and we won the Amateur World Championships for the Tornado brand of foosball table. We won the, we won the World Championship. And, uh, and so Paul sought me out and wanted to learn how to play foosball, so I started teaching him foosball. And in return, he started teaching me a short game. And so um, we went to play golf a few times, and I, I think I beat him, you know, a few times. And he was like, what are you doing caddying? And I was like, well, I don't know, you know, trying to make a living. And he said, dude, you need to quit and go play. And, you know, I just happened to play well. You know, it's not like I could put up four rounds together really that well back then, but I just happened to play well a few times in front of him. So he kind of put the dream back in my head, so I quit. I actually quit for a little while, and then he called me up to, to start uh, just a caddy for one week in Flint, Michigan, and it was Maybe. hilarious because I was like, oh, he must, he, wants to, he must think I'm a really good, you know, caddy. And he goes, hey, do you want a caddy for me in Flint? And I said, yeah, absolutely. And he said, good. They got incredible foosball there at nighttime. You're going to be my partner. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so it was hilarious. You know, he was kind of getting at the end of his career, and he was just enjoying it. And every night we would go play foosball if we could find a place and Find tournaments and stuff so you know it was, was kind of crazy but uh but zinger is the best storyteller i mean and he's just got incredible stories you know if you could ever get him on the podcast it'd be ridiculous i mean he's just got so many incredible Ryder cup stories and 
And, you know, he was a guy that never broke 80 one time until he got into college, and, and he ended up winning, you know, what was it, like 12 times, including a major. Yeah. So, you know, it's pretty pretty phenomenal story in itself. But, uh, but yeah, man, he's a, he was probably the most fierce competitor that I've ever been around. I mean, the guy literally didn't have his golf game whenever I worked for him for those three years. He was struggling bad. I mean, he was hitting it everywhere, hitting it short, and somehow making cuts and keeping his card. I mean, he's just a fighter you know, from the beginning to the end and, uh, you know, zero afraid of any situation, like just thrives on the pressure, you know, so it would have been incredible to work for him when he was, when he had his physical skill, you know, I would have loved to have seen that, you know, when I worked for him, his back was bad and, and, you know, he was older and couldn't really practice. And so, uh, but even with that, man, a few times we came down the stretch with a chance and it was, it was amazing. I was like, I don't know how this guy's keeping in this tournament, the way he's hitting it, you know? Yeah. But, um, yeah, a lot of fun, man. We had, we had a great time, you know, with him. Three years of that was a lot of fun. So now talking, in, I mean, we're moving into some, you know, the, the famous Bubba Watson. You know, a lot of guys carve him. I mean, I like the guy. I like the way he plays. He's passionate. Uh, he's intense. How was that transition? What's different? And what's, I mean, clearly, and, I mean, hey, we've been trying to get you on for a while now, and you have a tight schedule. What's his schedule like? <laughs> well, i tell you what. I mean, um, I had heard of Bubba, you know, like I'd heard his name and stuff. Um, and I'd actually played in a mini tour event, uh, when I was working for Paul, I went and played in a mini tour event in my home uh, state and I'd heard, that's how I'd heard of Bubba. There was some guy that was leading the mini tour event by nine strokes after two rounds on this really hard course. He was 17 under par. And I think I was like seven over after two rounds of missing cut. I was like, yeah, this course is hard. And there's some guy 17 under. And I was like, who the heck is this guy? And they were saying, oh, you should see this guy. He drove it over the creek on 11. I'm like, yeah, nobody's driving it over the creek on 11. That's 320. Oh, he drove this green. I'm like, no, he'd have to slice it on this hole. Like, oh, you know. I was like, no way. I didn't believe any of it. I was like, I, I can't be on tour, man. There's nobody doing that stuff. And then it turns out, you know, I, I ended up working for the guy. I never met him. We got set up. Uh, ben Crane set us up on a blind date for two weeks. Uh, you know, a trial run, and, uh, you know, that was how it worked out. We, we, we knew Ben through the PGA Tour Bible study, and we started working together, and, I mean, literally, he had never had a caddy. The guy that worked for him before just carried the clubs, didn't tell him how to do anything, so the first week I worked for him, he said, look, I don't need anything but a number. You know, you don't, I don't need your help. And I was like, well, this is weird, you know, but okay. So I just got to be an inside the, inside the ropes you know, standard bear carrying the clubs, and I was extremely amazed at his talent, but also extremely amazed at how how wild his personality was on the golf course. You know, he wasn't that way off the course, but on the course, just very, very uh, tense. You know, in, in a not yeah. in a good way. So, um, so you know, I didn't help him a lot. That, this was in '06. We started in, in September of '06, but um, I actually ended up playing in a mini tour event on his. He said he had a friend that ran a mini tour event. So at the end of '06. He's on the PGA Tour, finished his rookie year, made a million dollars. We said, look, you and I are going to go play in a mini tour event. I'm going to put us up. My buddy runs it. And any money we make, we're going to give back to him to help him out. So I was like, perfect. And I beat him in the second round. I shot 66 and he shot 69. And I think I earned his respect that day. It's the only time I've ever beat him. It's kind of ironic. But uh, I've played with him a hundred times and never sniffed it. But, but I did beat him that day. So he was so – he heard about it, that my score – and he was so worried about it, he followed me into the bathroom as I was peeing and was asking me over my shoulder, what'd you shoot? I said, I don't know, i got to add him up. You know, I was rubbing it in. And uh, so that was kind of funny. But, uh, but you know, I just couldn't believe that somebody could do what that guy could do with a golf ball, you know, 
the first day I ever worked for him, he was on the range loosening up, and he was hitting, you know, massive duck hooks with a lob wedge just for fun. I was like, what is, what is this? Like, how did, number one, how would you do that? Number two, why would you do that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, six years later, I found out there's a good reason why he did that hook wedge, you know? It's kind of weird. <laughs> so I have to ask, I mean, we're all kind of curious of it. In 2017, you know, I mean, I asked, I don't know how old I was. I was... 21, I don't know. What, what does it matter what it was? The shot, Bubba Watson. <laughs> what iron was it? Was it an 8-iron from that? They hooked that ball, like, straight right, 90-degree angle shot? Are you talking about the Masters? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that was 2012, and it was a gap wedge. Google is... Hey, hold on, hold on, Ted, hold on. Google is absolutely ripping me apart right now in this interview with you because <laughs> it said he started caddy in 07, and you said 06 on Twitter. Carved me. Thank you very much. <laughs> and Google said 2017... And now it's 20, whatever it is. Okay, I'll let you carry on with the story, though. So, yeah, fill us in. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. That's all right, man. It's okay. So, uh, you know, I'm just a fact checker, so that's all. <laughs> I love it. Oh, uh, shoot. Um, yeah, so he had a 52-degree. Um, it was 165 yards to the hole. It was, one, it was 135 front, and the 10 was on 30. So, um, yeah, you know, but it's like I tell everybody that asked me about that shot. You know, basically, Bubba hits that shot from the middle of the fairway sometimes, you know. I mean, it's not like it was an unusual shot for me. So, yes, it was impressive because of the situation, but for me, I'd seen that for six years, I'd seen that shot, you know. So it wasn't like, oh, my gosh, how'd you do that? It was like, well, yeah, that's what that's what you're going to do because that's what you do, right? So it wasn't um, when we got down there and saw that there was an opening and the lie was good, you know, I had a good feeling that he could get it near the green. And based on where Louie's ball was, we knew that it was a really hard up and down. You know, if you miss the green on 10, it is probably one of the toughest up and downs uh, at Augusta. It's just, yeah. no matter where you miss that green, it's a hard two-putt when you're on the green. It's just like, till you, till you actually play the course or see that hole, I don't know why. It's just stupid hard. I've played the course three times, and it's probably the green I fear the most. Like, even being on the green, I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know. Because it just, it just doesn't look fast the way the direction that it's fast and that's what throws you off and, and when you're nervous it's hard to trust that it's going to be quick from front to back you know and that's that's where Louie was chipping so we kind of knew if he could get it Bubba could hook it near the green we'd have a good chance of the battle of the up and downs but obviously he hit it to you know whatever it was 15 feet and had a two putt which wasn't hard I mean it wasn't easy either you know so yeah pretty incredible story for sure so, Ted, I mean, I'm curious. I mean, we had James Duthie on a while back talking about playing at Augusta. Are the rules super strict on, like, showing up for your tee time, like, a certain amount of minutes before and, and, and whatnot? Like, just walk us through a day, I mean, at Augusta. Yeah, well, obviously they don't get a lot of play. You know, it's a very exclusive place, so it's not like they're running them through the middle like a public, you know, place would be, maybe like Pebble Beach or something. Um so, you know, I, I think that uh, Augusta is a very strict place in the sense, you know, that they have their traditions and their rules for the tournament. But, uh, you know, I've never felt anything but extremely comfortable whenever I've been there to play. You know, it feels very relaxed. Um, so I don't know. You know, uh, it'd be hard for me to answer that. You know, I, I guess, you know, maybe because it's you, you're I don't think anybody would show up late for a tea time at Augusta. It's Augusta. You want to get there as early as they let you pulling the gate you know yeah <laughs> so so uh, you know I, I don't know but like i said i've i've felt you know very welcomed and extremely comfortable the caddies are all incredible they're amazing 
the food's amazing, the way they treat you. I mean, it's just first class, you know, all around. And the member that has hosted us, um, you know, is has been incredible too. So, you know, I just can't say enough about how fun it is to get there and play there. That's awesome. So, Ted, we asked this question to a lot of our uh, guests, especially our caddies. Um, what What's a day in the life for you as a caddy? I mean, we know Dale, our cousin there, does bacon reviews. and Hot dog reviews. Hot, or, <laughs> or hot dog reviews, bacon and coke and whatnot. But uh, what's, what's, what's your typical day look like? And Google didn't tell us this one, Ted, so you can't rip us for this one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so Dale's Dale's hilarious. I love your cousin. He's great. But um, yeah, for me, you know, I'm an outside person. I don't I don't really care to be stuck inside for very long. I, I like to get outside if I can. So if you know if Bubba doesn't have a late tea time, you know, I'm usually trying to find a place to play golf or maybe find somebody to play tennis with or something. Uh, maybe go fishing in a pond. You know, so I, I like to get out and get outside and just kind of be free that way. So that's kind of my thing. You know. Um, a lot of caddies, you know, go and hang out, socialize, and, and I like to socialize, like I said, playing golf. But uh, once the sun goes down, you know, you won't catch me, you know, very often anywhere but in my bed, just kind of chilling out, calling my family, checking in on them, you know, telling my kids goodnight, whatever, seeing how their day went. So, you know, I think it would be different if I was a single man, um, you know, but when you have a family, uh, you know, once the evening gets there, it's pretty much shut it down and try to help out from afar if you can you know right right uh, Pretty boring. <laughs> uh, hey i think you're you're doing damn well so um thank you another another one i was curious about and it's it's kind of a two-part question i guess would be do you have any pre-game pre-round meals and the second part to that like you know that you would your go-to's uh, and the second part, it's kind of a different question, but do you or Bubba have any superstitions when it comes to, uh, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday golf? Yeah, so, um, no, I, you know, I'm a pretty healthy eater. My mom studied natural health for, like, 35 years and, and kind of was raised on healthier food, mm-hmm. you know, so. Um, but, you know, I, I love breakfast. You know, I definitely, if I don't get a good solid breakfast, um, that just kind of ruins my day, you know, because I'm, a tall, skinny guy with a high metabolism. So if I don't get that breakfast, uh, you know, going right away, it's like, uh oh. <laughs> so that's for me. That's that's key, you know. Um, and, and Bubba, the only thing that Bubba does, is he has to have three T's in his pocket. That's it. As long as a man's got three T's in his pocket, he's good. So, which uh, pocket? There's no other like. Yeah, I, I don't know which pocket, but um, yeah, find that out first, Ted. Know, like, <laughs> Yeah, find out exactly. Hold on, I'll text him. <laughs> but um, yeah, he blocks me until it's tournament time, anyway. So sorry, guys. But uh, <laughs> seriously? Um, yeah. So you know, no, no real superstition, and and surprisingly, as wild as Bubba's game is, uh, he's extremely organized um, to play the game and showing up very steady. Like every night before, we get a text. You know, the whole team from the from the therapist warming him up to me to you know whoever else is involved you know gonna show up at 10 45 eat 11 o'clock stretch you know 11 15 putting green you know and he will be on time like he literally you know lays it out every day and shows up and he doesn't forget stuff it's not like he shows up and goes oh dang it i got you know i need to get some balls or i got you know like you see that a lot with just guys so prepared out there. so focused on yeah, I mean, 
mean, he just, it's amazing how prepared he is because you would think, you know, he's kind of a wild golfer, right? You know, it's not, he's not a very uh, structured player, like hitting a bunch of seven irons over and over and over on the range to the same target, you know, just, just not who he is, but yet it's exactly who he is in, in getting ready for the day. It's just, it's a pretty cool concept, you know, very clean, very well dressed, you know, press clothes usually, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, it's, it's pretty, mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting. It's a great personality. It's a lot of fun, you know, so you, never a dull moment. Ted, you just spawned a new question for me to ask you was, you mentioned that Bubba's therapist, uh, a lot of myself included, but a lot of listeners probably don't know as well, but with the PGA golfer, how many people are on their team? including yourself, the therapist, like who's all included? Yeah. So, um, so, you know, the, the PGA tour provides, uh, they provide a workout, uh, facility and a therapy facility at every tournament site pretty hmm. much. So there's like an 18 wheeler that, that, or there's two of them and they expand like the whole length of the trailer will expand like double its size. And one of them has all like exercise equipment and the other one has, you know, th- therapy type stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And they have a few therapists that are there every week. But most of your top elite players uh, will tr- will will share or have their own. But most of them share. Pretty much, I think everybody shares. So you usually have like like you know, Bubba's therapist might have he might have four guys that he works on. So um, and so basically, he shows up every week and he's there to warm them up. You know, or if he's got a pain. You know, he calls them out on the course, hey, I'm on the third hole, my back's bothering me, you know, that kind of thing. So um, so basically that's, you know, that's very important thing for those guys because if their body feels good, then they can swing well. And then, mm-hmm. you know, depending on the player, you know, I would say almost every single player has a swing coach. Bubba doesn't have one. He's never had a lesson. So he doesn't fit that mold. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would say a lot of guys have a personal trainer as well to where they're getting them somebody to work them out, you know, specifically for, uh, you know, the golf specific type work. Uh, Bubba doesn't have that. Um, and I know that, uh, Dustin Johnson has a chef and I think he eats the same thing. And at the same time every day to keep his body in homeostasis. So, you know, that's, that's kind of a good way to control, control your mind, you know, is if you eat at the same time, you sleep at the same time and you're eating the same nutritious foods every day, it's pretty hard to have different emotions, you know. So there's a, there's some science behind that. I think that probably people don't know that about some of the top players, but they're very much, you know, dedicated to doing things that you would never think of. And it's what makes them so good, you know, because they buy into that. Is Dustin Johnson good? <laughs> he has lots of money, too. <laughs> <laughs> there's, like, no response, Ted. It was a joke. I, I, didn't, I didn't hear the question. I'm sorry. I said, is Dustin Johnson any good? Yeah, oh, is he any good? Jeez. Yeah, I mean, I, he's one of my favorite people to play, to be paired with, because he's so free. He, he actually hit the worst shot that I've ever seen in 20 years on the PGA Tour. Uh, at Sherwood, where they're playing the Zozo Championship, he hit a five-wood off the tee. It didn't make a sound. We looked down. His divot was two inches from his ball. His divot pushed his ball off the tee about 20 yards sideways into a ditch. <laughs> He went in there, chopped it down the fairway, hit it to four feet, made par, and was five hundred through seven holes after that. We, it was the craziest thing we've ever seen. I was like, How this guy you? is just unfazed. I mean, he just hit the worst shot either Bubba or maybe have ever seen ever, and he's <laughs> five hundred through seven. Like, how, who who can do that? You know, just an incredible mind for golf. I mean, he's just he's just so free. So it's, it's fun to watch. You know, I, I, that's the all 
the all of what he does for me is not his athleticism because, you know, Bubba to me is more of an all-type player physically. Even Dustin catches himself going, man, that was crazy, you know, because Bubba hits so many wild shots. But for me, the all factor in, in Dustin is just, he's just so cool and so unfazed. You know, you're just kind of like, man, I would love to be that way, to be able to step up when there's water on the left and OB right and just take a driver out and swing like my life yeah. could, could end, you know, and, and say, that's fine. You know, if I don't hit the ferry, you, you're going to get killed. Okay, and just swing away at it. <laughs> I mean, that's how he plays. It's amazing. He's fearless, yeah. Um, okay, Ted, this is, I mean, our cousin again. He's had the privilege of doing this once already, and I'm sure a few more times. Let's talk now some President's Cup and Ryder Cup. You must have some stories traveling internationally. Let's uh, let's bring out some of those stories. Yeah, um, you know, obviously you guys have probably seen uh, the thing that Bubba's done where he gets the crowd to yell while he's teeing off. Um, you know, that's the craziest thing I've probably ever experienced. I mean, he did it in a practice round. And I was, I was nervous. I was like, oh, my gosh, dude. And then after he did it, he, he looked at me and said, why did I do that? And then, of course, the next day, in tournament day, the crowd was like, all right, you know, I, I guess we can yell during his swing. And so they were doing it, and so it kind of became his thing, you know. Yeah, I have to go more. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. But it's probably the only time that I've ever said, like, it's 150 plus 12. What's 150 plus 12? What's 150 plus 12? So it, it's got to be, what is it? 150 plus 12? Is, is that 162? You know, like, you can catch yourself doubting simple things in the Ryder Cup because you just get so nervous, you know. But yeah. that's also what makes it so fun and exciting is that it just means so much, you know, uh, to everyone on the team and the behind the scenes. I mean, everybody's just really into it and working hard together. And, you know, it's the only time you get to be a team, so the camaraderie is really cool. You know, at nighttime, you're playing ping pong, hanging out, whatever. Um, it's just an absolute blast, you know, to be able to do that stuff. So, so I have to ask, really Ted, I have to ask Ted, sorry, I mean, like, I mean, you look at hockey and you look at other sports that are team sports that, you know, like, you know, you hate them during the, 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 the matches on or whatever it may be. How, I mean, how much pride and, you know, honor is on the line when it's, you know, USA versus international or, or whatever it may be. I mean, are those, you know, the Americans, are they, hey, like, we want to beat the wheels out of these guys and beat them 12 nothing, or, or, I mean, where's the pride level out there and, and the competitive, competitiveness? Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's just unbelievable. It's a great question. Um, you know, I, I think that these guys would rather win the Ryder Cup than sometimes win a major, you know, in the sense of just the feeling that you get, uh, you know, the sense of pride, the sense of, not wanting to let your team down, you know, it's it's something that you can't even explain it until you're there, you know. I mean, I've heard stories about, you know, Davis Love and different people, their first Ryder Cup and how they were, you know, I'm going to throw up and then some of them were throwing up and you're kind of like, come on, man, it's a Ryder Cup, like, it can't be that bad. And then here I am, just a caddy, and I'm like, you know, can barely get my yardage book out on the first tee, you know, shaking or whatever. Yeah. So it's, uh, you just, it's just you des- your desire to do well is so great. And, you know, golf is such a fun game because you initiate all the action. You know, I think in hockey or whatever, you know, once the puck is dropped, it's just all adrenaline and reaction from years and years of instinct, right? But in a Ryder Cup, you just like in any golf shot, you hit a golf shot and you wait five minutes, then you hit a golf shot and you wait five minutes, and there's never a reaction. It's always an initiation. So a mental process in a Ryder Cup and a major is, is just – probably like nothing you would see in any other sport because maybe like let's say a penalty shot in in hockey or something i don't know if they have that but 
yeah. uh, you know, but it'd be more, it'd be more like a, a free throw to win the game, right? I mean, you got one chance to do it, and, and it's either you, like you, you make this one-and-one one to tie it, or you lose the game, and if you make the first one, then you can make the second one to win it, right? Or you go into overtime. Well, that's golf on every shot in the Ryder Cup, you know, because it's the ball is never doing anything but sitting there waiting for you to initiate the action. So you have that, that kind of thought process to battle, not at the end of the game, from the very first swing. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's unlike any other sport in that sense where it just, it'll drive you crazy, you know, and you have to be so mentally tough to be good at this game at a high level. I mean, you can't even, you can't even fake it. I mean, you just really have to be mentally tough and it takes a certain person to be that tough. I mean, sometimes I'll, I catch myself thinking, how in the heck is Bubba hitting this shot right now, you know? And he does it. And it's like, wow, I don't know if I could do that. You know, even <laughs> yeah. if I had the skill, I don't know if I could pull that off. You know, that's just sick. <laughs> Alrighty, uh, Ted, off to our segment now, Questions from the Gallery. And this week is now brought to you by Manscaped. You know, myself and Daniel are uh, our content guy on the back end over here. We have a hard time keeping our nuts uh, clean and shaved and well um, and deodorized. So let's try out the new Manscaped dot, over at manscaped.com, lawnmower 3.0, uh, ball deodorant, uh, boxers, anything you need. Use the promo code HOSL20 for 20% off and free shipping. That's HOSL20 and free shipping over at manscaped.com. So uh, trim those balls, fellas. Alrighty, question number one for you, Ted, from Peps. Have you ever played the snake putting game? Care to explain? <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> yes, he actually, uh, he actually, we played, we went to play golf the week of the PGA, uh, and we had, I think it was five caddies playing, and he goes, hey, you guys ever played the snake game? And of course, none of us have played it. And we're like, no, what's the snake game? He's like, it's called a, you know, it's a game where you start off with a quarter, and anybody that three putts, it doubles to 50 cents, and then the next time someone three putts, it doubles to a dollar, then two dollars, then four, like that. And so every time someone three putts, they get the snake, and they have to pay everyone in the group. And, I thought, you know, we all are like, yeah, we'll play snake. I mean, how bad can it be? You know, it's starting off a quarter snake. And I think it might have been worth 16 bucks, and we were we had about four holes left, and everybody was like, do y'all want to cap this? <laughs> we were, we were three-putting every hole. We were choking like some chickens, man. It was hilarious. So I was like, that was so fun, but it, I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is my new favorite game. Thanks, man. All righty, next question here from Phil Gross. Now, this may be a question you may want to pass on, but how do you club Bubba, or does he club himself? It seems when he hits a good banana that he cuts 40 yards next to the pin, he gives you no credit at all. But if he hits the one short, it's your fault. you got to be one of the best caddies on tour. <laughs> well, thank you very much for saying that. I appreciate it. Um, you know, Bubba just wears his emotions on his sleeve. And, you know, he's, he's a very verbal uh, yeah. reactor in the sense, like, how did that come up short? You know, and it, he's not blaming me. He's just talking out loud. And, you know, that's healthy. I know a lot of people look at it like, oh, he's blaming me or whatever. But it's healthy to get that off your chest, you know, to yeah. get the frustration out you know, because certain people don't do well just keeping the frustration in, keeping the frustration in. There are people that are able to do that, but, you know, Bubba's not one of them. You know, I encourage him to just, man, get it out, you know, and then move on. And he does a great job of that. You know, all you really want as a caddy from your player is a full commitment to the shot with no forward thinking and no pass thinking. You want him to be fully present. And if it helps Bubba to, you know, to, to say, I can't believe that didn't break left, you know. We both thought that was going left, that yeah. putt or whatever. You know, if it helps him, perfect. You know, I don't take it personal. And even if he was saying it to me, I still don't take it personal because he's, he's under a lot of stress, you mm -hmm. know. 
I know my family, I tell them, please don't take it personal if I come home and I'm mad one day and I say stupid stuff. Because mm-hmm. we all do that, right? It's just uh, sometimes people watching don't give athletes grace whenever, you know, it'd be like, well, how would you act under that? Probably not that good, you know? Yeah. So, uh, it doesn't bother me. And, and, you know, when he does get uh, out of line, and it hasn't happened often, but when it has, you know, he's always been like, hey, man, I'm really sorry. And I'm like, dude, no big deal, man. It's part of life, you know? <laughs> I've yelled at my family, and they've, I've said sorry, and they still love me. So it's same with him, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, Ted, this one comes from uh, off our Twitter feed, at Catfish Tim. Now, before I read the question, I had to go on to Google. <laughs> I had to go to Google, which we're not doing so well with Google nope, today. it's not our friend. <laughs> and his question revolves around something that is used with flour and fat and is used to thick, thicken sauces. Now, his question is, do you make your own, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right or not, roux? R-O-U-X, or are you buying it Congrats, in the jar? you did it. Oh, I did, eh? You did it, man. Okay, well, do you yeah. make your own roux? Google is up already. Do you make your own, or are you buying it in a jar? Tim wants to know. Yeah, Tim is hilarious. He's one of the funniest dudes. He's, he's a local guy, and uh, he's always tweeting really funny local Cajun <laughs> cuisine questions and Cajun, you know, responses. So, uh, so anyway, no, I don't make my own roux. I buy it in a jar, um, so don't be... I'm not ashamed to say it. They make incredible jarred roux. But uh, it's basically the for you, for you guys, if you've ever heard of gumbo, it's the beginning of yeah. gumbo. <laughs> well, you might have to send us a jar of roux here to Regina, Saskatchewan. We'll have to give her a go and try her out. Just make sure you did the daylight savings time there, uh, Ted. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Okay, one of our sponsors asked uh, Dustin Felsky, what's one thing that people wouldn't normally know about Bubba? Um, I would just say, like, you know, he's one of the best dads that I've ever seen. I mean, just absolutely incredible father. I mean, I, I you know, I've actually learned some things from him, how, how kind and gracious and patient he is with his kids. You know, like, I, I get frustrated a lot quicker. And, you know, I think about the stress of family sometimes. You know, if you're any of you are a dad, you can be stressed out or whatever. And, you know, the noise in the background or whatever. And, you know, I've been around him when his kids are cutting up, and he's just so patient. I'm like, man, why don't you act like that on the golf course? You know, that's funny. <laughs> and he's like, why don't you act like that with your family? I'm like, busted. You know, so uh, <laughs> so it's, a, it's a great compliment. You know, he, he loves Angie. Um, you know, Angie's Canadian, and he still loves her, so that's kind of strange. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, burn. Um, you, you, you You're know, fired. That was a joke. Don't tell your tell your. Your guys not to be mad at me. It's a little friendly banter. But, yeah, he loves his wife tremendously. Treat, you know, they have a great relationship. But I would say fatherhood is, is you know, he's meant to, be a, meant to be a dad. All right, next one on the chopping block here is uh, what is your ultimate golf foursome? Past, Man, present, living, uh, dead, up you, to you. You better say Bubba now after you just carved them. <laughs> Yeah, no, I would say uh, I would say if I could ever play around a golf. My grandfather died when I was 11, and he was my best friend on the planet. Um, so if I could play golf with my grandfather, golf with my dad, and golf with my uncle, you know, who I played a lot of golf with my dad and my uncle growing up, that would be my dream foursome. Um, but it would have to be I would like for the four of us to play in Scotland because that's my favorite place to play golf. You know, over there, that type of golf. I think that would be a dream come true to do that. Mm-hmm. So a long-time listener here, Mick Panko, asks, is there any shot Bubba can't shape? 
Um, no, I mean, the, the dude's hit, he's hit shots that I really didn't think were possible out of lies, you know, in, in the sense like a lot of people get in the rough and you catch a flyer in the rough. And what a flyer is, is, is basically not enough spin on the ball. So, you know, when you, when you have an eight iron and, you, and it goes 220, it's not that the ball speed goes up when you get in the rough, it's that the spin rate goes down. And therefore, you know, a lack of spin is like a knuckleball. It's hard to curve it. Right. But the dude will get in the rough, you know, and we'll be in the trees. He's like, I'm going to cut a seven iron around. I'm like, how are you going to cut a seven iron? There's grass between your ball and the face. I'm, you know, in my mind, I'm like, there's no way you're going to cut this. This is going to this is gonna be a knuckleball. It's going to go straight to the other trees. And he does it. And I, I, don't, I still don't know how he does it. I mean, you know, I'll go at home and just experiment and get in the rough and open my face up. 50 degrees and swing across it as hard as I can and my ball goes dead straight. I'm like, what the heck, dude? I don't get it, you know? And I'm a scratch golfer and I can't even begin to make it curve. So, yeah, I mean, he can curve anything. It's, it's ridiculous. Brady, oh, man, I'm terrible with names today. Brady. Gotro, man. Gotro. Who? You know these guys, Ted? Go-tro, oh, okay. Man. I was going to say Brady go throw, but I was close. He wants to That's know. It. Go there we go. Okay. Well, at least Ted. Well, here a lot I'm going to jump in now. Does okay. There's the question I think Troy's going to ask is, and I was writing down notes and I was reading it, and it said, "What's your Hercules heel in golf?" But I'm pretty sure he meant to put Achilles heel in golf. Correct? Yeah. <laughs> uh, my, my my Achilles heel is my brain. Um, you know, years of hitting it offline. Uh, now I hit it very accurate. Um, but whenever I get nervous, sometimes my brain doesn't believe that I'm going to hit it accurate and I'll make a, a very uncommitted undustin like swing and my ball goes offline because of the way I think. So, uh, so that's what I'm working on more than anything now is trying to get between the ears straight, straighten that out. And Brady follows it up with, uh, what is your greatest golf accomplishment? Well, it's not something that necessarily I accomplished, but I was hanging on to his coattails. I mean, two-time Masters caddy champion, I would say that's a pretty good accomplishment. Yeah, that'd be up there. Uh, yeah, but uh, as far as me personally, um, you know, I would say we, we won the scramble in the B-flight one time, so that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, we, we had to go into a scorecard playoff, and we clipped them on the 13th hole, so that was really exciting. Well, I'm going to go ahead and get here on uh, Troy here. Ted, I have to ask, I mean, again, I'm not going to look on Google because it's probably wrong. I have to know how old you are because, I mean, you know, take this for how you want it, but you, you look like you're in great shape and you look like a, a, a young, dapper, and young man. Um, is retirement ever a question sooner than later? You know, I, I give the keys to shut it down to my family. So, you know, I tell my wife and my two kids, you know, because I'm gone half the year, and when I'm home, I'm home completely. I do, you know, I have the freedom to do whatever when I'm off, but uh, but I let them know, hey, listen, if it ever gets to be too much, and you guys want me home more often, you know, if you want me to find something else to do, then I would do it, and so uh, I just leave that up to them. You know, I, I enjoy life in general. I'm really, I can't think of a job I've ever had that I didn't really enjoy, you know, mainly because I like people. And most jobs put you around people. So yeah. uh, for me, you know, it's a blessing. I love caddying. I love the game of golf. I love to travel. I love the camaraderie. I love to be competitive. So it, it fills all those boxes that I like, and I can make a living at it, which is great. So, um, so no, I, you know, I don't see myself retiring. Uh, but it doesn't mean that it won't happen. You know, Bubba could get injured yeah. or quit wanting to play. You know, he could be like, you know what, I'm going to quit till I'm 50. And you just never know. And so, um, so you just never know what's going to come down the pipe, but 
whenever that does happen, you know, I'll just look back and be grateful for what I have been through and not worry about what the future has. You know, I'm just going to be thankful because I've had 20 incredible years. You know, I've, I've been fortunate that my guy has never really struggled, you know, in the sense like I've had a job. I've never really had to, you know, other than when Paul Azinger let me go because he didn't want to play anymore, you know, I was kind of like, okay, I wasn't even going to caddy anymore, and I got the call from Ben Crane. But, you know, I've been very fortunate that I haven't had to search for a job. And, and in this in this career, you know, there's not many people that could say that. I mean, you know, it's, it's feast or famine. You know, it doesn't take much, one bad way of thinking or one small flaw in your swing, and you can disappear. So... Um, very difficult, you know. So you you didn't answer the first part of the question, though. Are you are you closer oh, to me in age? Forty-seven. Of, how old? <laughs> forty-seven. Wow, good for you. Okay, you got. Wow, me, you do not look forty-seven. Yeah, you got me by a few years, and I look <laughs> a hell of a lot older than you. So, <laughs> anyways. <laughs> well, like I said, you got to eat right. My mom's man feeding me the good stuff for uh, <laughs> yeah, for Troy, thirty-five you know. years, man. I don't know what you're eating, but if you're like Dale eating all that bacon, man. I am not. I am not like Dale, but maybe I need to get on the Rue diet. I'm not sure. Now, I, I've, I've got a, I've got a selfish question that I want to ask you, and, and I think our listeners might want to hear the answer to this. So, is are you a fan of the COVID testing? Best and worst part of it. Oh yeah, I forgot to ask that question. Yeah. So, uh, so my thing is, you know, I'll, I'll give you the PC answer. I'm a rule follower by nature. Like, I don't, I don't like to. Uh, anyone i'm kind of a people pleaser so that's you know sad for me that uh you know sometimes i do things i don't want to do just because it's like well i don't want to rock the boat um but i'll tell you that you know if it if it makes other people comfortable to for me to get tested i'll do it all day long and it doesn't bother me one bit uh my own personal opinion i don't think that it matters if we get tested because either everyone follows the rules or it really doesn't matter, and not everyone follows the rules, and because of that, it's going to keep spreading. Unless we don't ever have contact with anybody again, mm-hmm. it's a it's a thing that spreads person to person, and it's not going away, in my opinion. You know, so uh, but it doesn't bother me. Like I said, I you know I've had twelve or thirteen uh, six inch Q tips stuck up my nose, uh, <laughs> you know, and it, and it's like, hey, I'm getting ready to do it again come Monday. So it. it you know, it's like, yeah, sign me up. I'll do it. You know, if it makes other people feel comfortable that I'm, that they can be around me, and if it and, and if it keeps the PTA tour going, you know, I have zero issue with that. You know, and uh, you know, the worst part of it is, it's kind of like, have you ever, you know, swallowed a uh, swallowed some Coca Cola while somebody tells you a joke? Oh and yeah. Oh. Have too much Coke in your mouth and it shoots out your nose and burns. And that burning sensation. That's what that's what it feels like. It's ten and times it, worse know, than it, that. It doesn't last long, but. <laughs> That's what it is. You know, you cough and you, you walk out of there. I mean, so far I've had 12 of them and I've cried 12 times, you know. So it's like my goal is to man up one day and uh, and not cry, but I can't. I just I laugh every time. Like, I can't do it. You know, one tear, one eyeball is going to tear up. So, uh, I, I so think, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely in favor of it as long as it makes people feel comfortable. I think you better take a video and throw it on Twitter like Peppers was doing. So, comic relief. Yeah, that was awesome. So, uh, Ted, I have to ask, what's your go-to snack on the course, and what is Bubba eating on the course, uh, good or bad? Yeah, Bubba eats, uh, he likes to make sandwiches, like a turkey and cheese or whatever. Um, I like I like protein bars and, uh, you know, beef jerky and dried mangoes, things like that. So, no, know, like, no smokes and hot dogs, eh, like Dale? Nope. No, no, definitely not. <laughs> okay, well, you know, I know... We've had you on the show here for quite some time, and I'm 
Okay. We're, we're in the overtime stretch. We're in the overtime stretch. I've got like three questions I could just rapid fire you. I, I've crossed off a few. Um, I, I want to know about wing foot. How, how tough was that course to really play? I mean, on TV watching, it looks so difficult. How, how hard was wing foot? Yeah, I actually got to play it uh, two years ago um, with, without much rough. You know, it was, it was just kind of like normal member play rough. And, uh, and it was tough. I mean, I, I played very well that day. Um, and I remember I still shot in the high 70s. So I was like, man, this place is going to be really tough if they grow the rough up. And, of course, the greens weren't nearly as fast whenever I played it. Right. So, um, you know, it's just one of those places where it's not tricky. It's just difficult. And that's fun. Like, you know, I like, I like that kind of U.S. Open. I'm not a fan of, you know, what happened on Saturday at Shinnecock. I'm not a oh, fan. Yeah. Of, of when they do stuff, you know, like Oakmont, they turn number eight into a 299-yard par three. Almost you know, I'm just like, what are they that. doing? You know, so that's not for me. I'm not that kind of fan. I mean, if you look at, name one sport, and I'll wait. I got about five minutes left. I can talk to y'all, but <laughs> name one sport where people have gotten better and we've tried to change the sport. You know, is a hockey goal – and a hockey rink still the same size? Is a basketball goal still 10 feet? You know, is a 100-meter dash still 100 meters? But yet, you know, is a mile still a mile? Yes. But everybody's running faster, jumping faster, shooting better, more accurate, you know. Yeah. And we're not playing with wooden rackets and tennis anymore. You know, we're playing with equipment that guys are hitting 150-mile-an-hour serves or whatever. But yet the court's the same size, the net's the same height. So I'm, I'm okay with the U.S. Open once a year, and I like it whenever they make it tough, but just not stupid. You know, I'd rather see if the conditions get tough, maybe like it was there, fine. Because it got real windy on, on Saturday, Saturday or Sunday. I forget one day it was, like, Saturday. really tough. Saturday. Yeah, Saturday. And, uh, you know, the conditions are really tough. But I tell you what, I mean, you take no wind and soft greens, and you can't make a course long enough and make the rough high enough because somebody's going to shoot lights out. You right. know, it's yeah. going to happen. So. You know, the point of, like, well, we got to protect par or whatever, I, I don't know what their goals are, but for me, you know, I, I'm okay with wing foot, just not some of the opens I'm not a fan of. Right. Okay, Ted, my last question. It's a quick two-parter, actually almost one-and-a-half-parter. I'm assuming your favorite golf memory is your first Masters win, I'm assuming. Uh, no, it's actually playing golf with my grandfather as a kid. I mean, I was, you know, I thought that was the greatest thing in the whole world, man. Well, I was really wrong on that one. And best golf shot you've ever seen on tour? Bubba Watson on number 11 at Augusta in 2012. 2012, baby, not 2017. <laughs> That's right. But what? I said number 11, not number 10. So oh. not the shot that you know. <laughs> yeah, Drew, Drew, you're 0 for 2. And not Having the shot a bad that Google day. knows. <laughs> uh, okay, Ted, this has been so much fun. I mean, last question we'd like to ask all our guests. What's one piece of advice that you could give, you know, a youngster listening today, uh, you know, wanting to be a caddy or professional athlete or, you know, or just a good person in life? I mean, what is some good advice that uh, you have today? Yeah, so a lot of people ask me how to become a caddy, and, you know, it's, it's gotten to be really tough. When I started, uh, literally, you could show up in the parking lot and probably get a job. And now it's like I know guys that have caddied for 15 years, and maybe their pro gets hurt or they get let go and, you know, that you don't see them again for two more years. You know, it's, it's gotten to be really hard. So the best way to get into it is is follow the Corn Ferry Tour 
um, you know, which there's no money in it. I mean, you're going to be sleeping, you know, six guys in a room kind of thing and eating, uh, you know, peanut butter jelly sandwiches. But get your name out there and get really good at what you do on that tour. You know, there's no money. It's hard. Um, but if you if you see these guys every week, then you have an opportunity. If the guy's like, man, I really like that guy, then you can move up, uh, you know, with them to the PGA Tour. Um, you know, other than that, man, it's, it's gotten to be, like I said, a very tough business. I mean, I honestly think about it like if Bubba got hurt, I, I mean, I'm thinking like, I don't think I could get a job, you know. I mean, yeah. I've done it for 20 years straight, and I'm like, I don't know if I could get hired out there. So, But um, like anything in life, you know, if you want something bad enough, you'll figure out a way to get it. And, you know, the key, the biggest key I can tell anyone, whether it's playing golf on the PGA Tour, becoming a doctor, you know, being a hockey player, is just try to grow every day. You know, if you grow every day, then you get closer to your goals. And even if you don't make your goal, your ultimate goal, you'll look back and have a really great life. You know, the journey is so much better than the than the reward. It really is. The, yeah. the, the real reward is the journey. It's the day-to-day battles and the fun and the trying hard and failure and changing things. You know, it's fun to win the Masters, but really all the stuff in between is where it's great. You know, mm-hmm. finally, if you look at, if you look at a, a tombstone, right, it might say 1953 was born and died in 220 of COVID. But it's the dash that's really important, right? What, what was the middle like? Yeah. You know, what was it like between 53 and, tw- and 2020? And so for anybody listening, you know, I would just say, it doesn't matter what age you are, just get better today, tomorrow or today than you were yesterday at whatever it is you're pursuing. And you'll look back not too far down the road and go, wow, I've come a long way, you know, even though you're taking baby steps. That's awesome advice. Yeah, that's uh, you couldn't have said that any better, Ted. Uh, we appreciate you taking probably more time than, than you have right now. Uh, obviously, at your kids' practice. So uh, we hope we can do this again. Uh, we won't budge you for a while. Hope you guys uh, get back out there and, and, and win again. And uh, we'll be in touch, man. Take care. All right, fellas. Thanks for having me. Thanks. And uh, y'all have an incredible evening. And uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, Ted. Thanks, Ted. See you guys. Hi. Troy Koser from Off the Hosel. Are you tired of having the same problems year by year? Dustin Felsky with Precise Accounting and Consulting is here to help. We can help you with your tax solutions, fix cash flow issues, reduce costs of business, and give back the time you need to increase your business potential. Whether you're self-employed or running a large business, Dustin with Precise Accounting and Consulting will have solutions that will fit your needs to grow your business. Precise Accounting and Consulting has been serving Pence and surrounding areas for the past four years. For more information, visit Precise Accounting on Facebook or www.paac.ca. Alrighty, there it is, episode number 40 with Ted Scott. Um, an absolute great interview, I thought. I mean, he, like I said, obviously in the intro and that he would have heard in the podcast, he just touched on a lot of things, you know, it told us a lot of cool insight on Baba and, you know, how the relationship works. It's, you know, very friendly. Uh, they're good buddies on and off the course. Um, yeah, I, I just thought it was, you know, you know, and that you said early in the intro too, it wasn't a disgrace. Any of our other guests It's just this one. It was, it was awesome. It was a lot it, of fun and he didn't miss a beat. It was just real easy. Mm-hmm. It was question followed by a really good answer. Um, didn't make it difficult for us at all. You know, we've been on with some guests where, Drew, I know firsthand you were nervous. Graham Dillette, I know you were nervous on that yep. pod. You know, um, Ted just made it real simple. You just tell he's a humble guy. Um, Lots of good stories. Really too. good stories. 
if I'm willing to bet if you put a poll out, again, that was our 40th episode. I'm willing to bet if you put a poll out Friday and you said top top three podcasts we've released, I, I could almost guarantee he'd be up there. Yeah, I, I would agree the same. I mean, and like I said, it's not a knock or anyone else. I just think that Ted had a lot of good... Uh, just good insight and just let us all know exactly what it's like to be a caddy. Not not that Peps didn't or, or Tesori didn't. But even how he became a caddy. Like yeah, that story cool. was really cool. And and caddying for a guy like Paul Easinger, right? Yeah. He wins a major. He wins two major or was it two with Bubba or one? One. I think one, yeah. Yeah, it was one with Azinger, one with Bubba. Um just a real good story and really appreciative that he gave us the time of day to come on. I mean Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, again, thanks, Ted. I mean. Other than that, I mean, enjoy the pod. It was great. Uh, try to rip off the social media handles for us. What you in the oh. sweaters? Okay, social media. We got Twitter and Instagram. is at underscore off the hosel. Facebook, off the hosel. Get your off the hosel sweater. They're beautiful. They're warm. They're comfy. 40 bucks gets you a sweater. We got them in gray or black. $5 from each sweater. Proceeds are going to the Cancer Foundation of Saskatchewan, near and dear to my heart and everybody else's hearts out there, I'm sure. Uh, DM us if you'd like to get one. Again, like I said earlier, we are on the brink of getting some new hats in, some more merchandise. If you guys want something out there or something you think that would be a, a better suit merchandise-wise, let us know. DM us. Uh, yeah, I mean... But it was a great show, guys. I just, I'm still kind of starstruck. So great show, and obviously, quickly here before we get going here, uh, PBM Science is going to donate uh, fifty dollars to make a big check with Happy Gilmore, and we'll have a nice follow-up with uh, the Cancer Foundation of Saskatchewan. So. Awesome. And and one last thing before we go, Drew, really want to thank the fellas in uh, down at David's Indoor Golf for having us. This place is awesome. Again, book your tee times as they're opening up October fifteenth. Contact him at 306-206-1270 or come visit him in person, 6823 Rochdale Boulevard. Get get inside and get some golf done. Always a pleasure, Troy. You too there, Drewster. Rev. Boys, good to see ya. You too, Dano. Take care, everyone. Have a great week. Weekend, Thursday. Peace. See ya. Thank you.